All right, good morning, everybody. Good to see you on this gloomy day. It's bright in here, what can I say? Uh, if you're at home, I want to encourage you to be as participatory as you can. Use the chat. Um, maybe if you're worshiping with your family, maybe you can um, say some things out loud to each other. I'm going to invite kind of some responses. Um, worship is not something we watch. Worship is something that we do, that we participate in. So I encourage you to do as much as you can, even at home, to um, participate. Okay. There's a game that I like to play sometimes. It's called Magic Wand. And it's very easy to play. You just ask yourself, if I had a magic wand right now, what would I do? Let's play that game together right now. We're going to pretend, okay, that, that this is a, a, a holy magic wand, okay, an innocent magic wand, a Holy Spirit magic wand, okay? So if you had a Holy Spirit magic wand right now, and you could wave it only once and do anything, what would you do? Maybe you'd get back to being with your friends at school. Some of us would probably make COVID go away altogether. Some of us grown-ups might want to do something related to the election with our magic wand. Maybe there's a, a relationship you would make better. Or a loved one you would want to, to know Jesus. I think it would be hard to choose just one thing, wouldn't it? Well, if I had a Holy Spirit magic wand right now, here's what I would do. I would cast the summoning one of the things that I love is fiction stories. And right now I'm reading fantasy books of all different kinds. I'm very interested to see how different writers talk about magic. But anyway, one of the books I read recently was by a woman named Naomi Novik called Uprooted. And in the world of the novel, the summoning is a spell that summons truth. It's difficult and powerful magic. As the spell builds, a strange clear light grows and grows and grows. And as the light grows stronger, the characters begin to see the truth about themselves and their situations. They see their own inner darkness. They see the darkness in others. They realize the hidden resentments and barriers between them, the lies they've told or the lies they've believed. And at the height of the spell, everyone there sees the full truth about themselves, others, and the space between them. The truth of the summoning transforms everyone in its reach. That is what I long for right now, for the capital T truth to shine in our nation, in our world, in a way that we could see it and agree with it and be convicted by it so that we could work together toward what is good. But as much as I long for that, I realized something this week, and that is this that the summoning is a picture of the judgment day, not a picture of what I should expect sooner than that. And in fact, the stories Jesus tells in the Gospels are full of the messiness of life, even life in the kingdom up until the end. There's the wheat and the weeds that are growing up all together until the end. So I don't know why I'm surprised that it feels so messy. In the middle of the mess that just is our world until the judgment day, how does God expect us to live? Since we know he doesn't expect us to use a magic wand. He doesn't give us a Holy Spirit magic wand. So what is yours and my response to be in light of all the big things that we want to fix and we can't? 
Well, I think today's parable shows us the way, and it's actually really simple. Faithfulness here, faithfulness now. I invite you to say it with me, gently here, as loud as you want at home. Faithfulness here, faithfulness now. So let's take a closer look at this parable in Matthew 25 before we consider the call of faithfulness here, faithfulness now. Matthew 25 is really familiar to many of us because of all the times our churches have tried to raise money using it over the years. It's the famous parable of the talents, although our translation goes with um, bags of gold, as Jay said. You didn't know there were pirates in the Bible, right? This section of Matthew 25 has a string of these parables about the end, about the judgment, which is understandable since Jesus is at the end of his life. He's in Jerusalem. He knows that the crucifixion is right in front of him. So the parables we have deal with the problem of Jesus being absent and delay. Imagine you were some of the first Christians wondering why, when Jesus was coming back. You thought he was going to come right away. He's not coming. What do you do? So there's a lot of stories about delay. Last week, we heard about a, a bridegroom who didn't show up until really late. And today, there's this, the master, the boss, who goes away on a long trip. And remember, now if, you're, if your dad or your mom goes away on a long trip, or your husband or your wife, you have phones, you have an itinerary. They didn't have that then. They had complicated roads. They had, it was once you're gone, who knew when you were going to come back? So our story today is that it's about a business. It's a business metaphor, a story that's meant to tell us something about spiritual things. This man had a lot of money. He, he gave the responsibility of his money to three servants, three employees, you might say. So as any good business person does, he, he kind of knows their capabilities. He knows what they can handle, and he divides things up accordingly. But I want you to know that he gave them all a lot of responsibility. One talent, one bag of gold, was worth about as much money that you could earn in 20 years. That's a lot. I don't think I've even been working 20 years. So anyway, each of the slaves was given, the servants was given something valuable to be in charge of. That's what I want you to hear. And then all of a sudden the master comes back and it's judgment day. Time to account for what he gave them to be in charge of. I I wanted participation. This is great, Evie. The first two servants do what their master expected them to do. They carried on with their work as he taught them. And they earned back their investments doubly so. They don't earn the same thing, they weren't given the same thing, but they're both equally responsible with what he gave them, and they're rewarded for their faithfulness. And so far, so good. As you know, it's the third servant where we get in trouble. He gets in trouble. Because he went out and he buried the money in the ground. It sounds weird, but some people actually did this. They've found little pockets of stuff that people buried and forgot about. Archaeologists have dug this up. So people did that. It was considered a good way to keep your money safe. He says to the master, basically, I know you, you're a shark. As Jay said, you're mean. I was afraid, and I just kept your money safe. I didn't want to get in trouble. So here, take it. It's not my responsibility anymore. But the problem is that the master didn't ask him to keep the money safe. He asked him to invest it. He asked him to use it. And the master's response shows there was another option that wasn't too risky, but brought it back some return. And so the master takes his bag of gold, his talent, and he gives it to the five-talent servant. And he throws the now-no-talent servant out. I don't like that ending very much. It sounds really harsh. It sounds mean. We don't always know what to do when Jesus speaks so strongly. 
And I think many of us, especially, well, probably all of us, struggle with the line about whoever has will be given more, and whoever doesn't have, even what they have will be taken away. That does not sound fair. Well, here's the key in the parable. It isn't about money or material stuff. It's not that it's not like food that this person needed that was taken away. This is about responsibility. Because the talents, the money, that didn't belong to the servants. They belonged to the master. It was his business. And if you have an employee who doesn't do their job, you'd give their responsibility to someone who was doing their job. And probably at some point get rid of the one who wasn't doing their job. It's not about money. It's about responsibility. How do you live while you're waiting for the master, the boss, to return? You do the master's work. That was the call to these servants, not to produce more, or not even to produce as much as they could, not to preserve what they had, but to do with what had been entrusted to them what the master would have done. That is what it means to practice faithfulness here, faithfulness now. This story, as with some of the other stories about the end that Jesus tells, it's a warning to consider what kind of disciples are we? What kind of disciple am I? How am I following Jesus? And warnings are always calling us to something and away from something. So I want to turn now to what is the call of faithfulness here, faithfulness now? Three things today. First, Faithfulness here, faithfulness now, calls us to a faith that works and away from a faith of the bare minimum. We had a very energetic and spirited conversation in our Wednesday Bible study this week. Uh, Wade just ran downstairs with Evie, but he did a great job leading it. It was a conversation about James' words on faith and works. And one of our big questions was, is faith that doesn't show up in works and good deeds really faith at all? And we struggled with it together because we're so used to saying we're saved by grace alone through faith alone that we don't always know what to do with the other emphasis in Scripture that true faith shows itself in good works. So I think there's overlap between the words of James that we read earlier this week and Jesus' parable in here, in part because next week Jesus tells a story about Judgment Day in which the sheep and the goats are separated based on whether or not they cared for the least of these in practical ways. Jesus and James sound a lot alike. I think some of our churches, some of our evangelical churches, at least the ones I know, I'm sure I've made this mistake too, have often made the mistake of focusing on a faith of the bare minimum, a faith that's concerned just where where do you go when you die, not on what do you do here and now. A faith like that struggles with a passage like this today because it wants to protest doing good things isn't what saves us. And yes, that's true. But also look at what Jesus actually says. In this parable, this story, Jesus does want us to ask about where we will end up on Judgment Day. But it's so that we'll be concerned with doing the Master's work now. Faithfulness here, faithfulness now. Second, faithfulness here, faithfulness now calls us to a relationship of trust and away from our strategies of self-protection, the things we do to try to protect ourselves. What is it that led that third servant to hide the talent rather than use it? As another commentator puts it, the mistake of the wicked servant is not in failing to trust the market, the economy, but in failing to trust the master. 
The other two servants seemed to have had some kind of working relationship with the master where they knew what he would do. They had the confidence and the freedom, and they took the responsibility to do it in his absence. There was a relationship there. But the third servant was afraid of the master's character or what he thought he knew about the master's character. Seems like he feels no ownership and doesn't want any responsibility. Take it. I don't want to be responsible. I just want to forget about it. He's more concerned with security than with service. Now, what might make us, you and me, bury our gold in the ground? What are those things that whisper to us, protect yourself? I can think of a few things. Maybe you want to add some in the chat or write them on your uh, bulletin or speak them at home. Fear. Fear of failure, fear of messing up, fear of what it will cost, being uncomfortable. Feeling overwhelmed and paralyzed by the magnitude of the work needed in our world. Feeling powerless. Feeling like we've nothing to offer. Or that God's work is somebody else's job. Somebody who's been to seminary. Maybe just plain a lack of desire. Might be other things that we want more. Maybe comfort and security. Or our own way. Maybe guilt, or the knowledge that if we really commit to following God with everything that we have and everything we are, it will mean we have to change. And that's hard. The call of faithfulness here, faithfulness now, is the call to trust the voice of our master so much that we listen to him more than all those other voices calling to us. When we trust Jesus and learn to listen to his voice, that's when we can hear the Spirit prompting us to those small faithfulnesses each day and have the courage to do them. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Faithfulness here, faithfulness now, calls us away from self-protection and into a relationship of trust. Third and last, faithfulness here, faithfulness now, calls us away from isolation, from being alone, and into a faithful community in which the presence of Jesus is made known. It's easy to read this parable and come away with the sense that I am supposed to be an entrepreneurial, go-getter, busy bee Christian. It's got to go out and do it. Now, certainly Jesus is concerned with each disciple taking ownership of their part in the kingdom, doing their part. But it is way too easy for us to read this parable with our American culture eyes. Individualism, the CEO, capitalism. That's not how Jesus sees things, not what he's talking about. Thankfully, we have the rest of scripture to help remind us, and particularly Paul's metaphor of the body, which I think is another way of talking about talents, the things that we bring to the kingdom. In the body, some parts have a bigger role to play than others, but all are important and all are needed for the body to do its work. Faithfulness here, faithfulness now, is about faithfulness in community, not just as individuals. As a community, as Church of the Redeemer, we've been given a bag of gold or two, I don't know, Lord knows that, that we're to use. And we need the gifts of all of us in order to do that. 
It's also easy to read this parable and feel a bit like, oh no, the master's gone, we have to do this all on our own. Kind of, that feels like a lot of pressure. But the truth is that in the faithful community, Christ is not absent. Jesus is present. In our parable, the parable, the master's gone. And yes, Jesus is not physically present, standing with us in the room. But Jesus also promised in the Great Commission, I will be with you always, even to the end of the earth. And he is. Jesus is present with us by the Spirit to guide us in our work. Jesus is alive and active now with his sleeves rolled up, doing the work. Our job is to listen to him and partner with him and be faithful to what he directs us to do, to be what our new bishop, Bishop Todd, has called the cooperative and sent friends of God. That's our job. Do you want to make a difference in our world? Be faithful to and in your local church community. Be part of making this or whatever local church Jesus calls you to, a kingdom-shaped community that is salt and light in this place, that shapes people who can see our world not through conservative eyes or liberal eyes or libertarian eyes or whatever eyes you want to talk about, but through kingdom eyes. Pray and work and commit to making this a community in which we see the kingdom of God breaking through, where all the status quos of our culture are not reinforced but upended where we care for the poor and vulnerable and seek to walk in holiness of life, where we love God and our neighbor as ourselves, where we worship in solidarity with our brothers and sisters in this community and in this country and around the world. That is the type of community in which the presence of God is made known for the sake of the world, where the kingdom of God breaks through. Faithfulness here in Highwood, in your schools, on your Zoom calls, at work, in the PTA meetings, with our neighbors, in your classes. Faithfulness now. Not when the politics change, not once you graduate, not once you're a grown-up, not when COVID is over, but now. That is the hope of the kingdom. That little seeds of faithfulness can take root and grow by the grace of God. We have no magic wands to fix the problems of our world. But we have a boss that we can trust. There will be a day of judgment when things are made known, things unseen are made clear, when all fall before the feet of Jesus. And that's a wondrous and a terrible thing, just like truth itself. But in the meantime, our master, Jesus, calls us quite simply to faithfulness with what he's given us to tend to. Faithfulness here, faithfulness now. Let's pray. Jesus, in the, in the parable, it's not clear whether this master was a good guy. But we know who you are that you are good and that you are worthy of trust. That you're not just our boss, you're our friend. Show us, we pray, where you desire for us to be faithful here and now. By the 
Holy Spirit and by the grace of God. And in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen.